0: Welcome back folks to the Get a Grip on Lighting Podcast. On today's show we have lighting industry veteran, Marty Cole. That's right. We'll get into his biography a little bit in a in a second or two. But before we get there, we gotta tell you a little bit about our friends over at Keystone Technologies. Go to K E Y S T O N E T E C H dot com, Greg, the
1: keep it easy, buddy. That's right. And keeping it easy with traditional lighting. Now that's something we're gonna talk a little bit about today, so as a teaser for it, be ready. Mm-hmm. But H I D ballast. That's right. Keystone has them. Fluorescent ballast. They've got it. And they've got a lot of them. A lot of other people have gone away from it, but Keystone has them. So be ready. Anytime you need that stuff, you can find them. If you're a lighting distributor, come on. If you're a true lighting distributor, I mean, there's lighting distributors that
0: only focus on project work and LEDs. But if you're a trench I still sell a lot of legacy technology, man. All manner of things. I sold a whole bunch of low-pressure sodium the other day. There you go. But if you need those ballasts, they actually, Keystone has amazing ballasts. I'm going to tell them right now, they're fantastic. I've been a Keystone distributor for years. So go to key, com. That's keystonetech.com. The easy folks, light made easy. And of course, the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors. That's naild.org. Get associated. We've been talking about it for four years now. If you, I don't even know if we're going to let you in anymore. Put it that way. But for right now, welcome to the show, Marty Cole. Thank you. Say hi to Greg Garrett.
2: Oh, hi, Greg.
1: Hi, Marty. So (laughs) you started this off right before we hit record here, and you said, all I did was ask a question, and now I'm on a podcast. Here's your question, and here's why you're on the podcast. said, have you dealt with change in the availability of traditional lighting components in one of your podcasts? We've hinted at it. We've never really dove into it, and it's an awesome topic and something we're passionate about. So that's why you're here.
2: Now you, you mentioned low pressure sodium. Mm-hmm. I, I had a customer recently looking for some slow, low pressure sodium uh, lamps and ballasts, mm-hmm. and out of our traditional sources couldn't find them. So we sent him some LED fixtures to replace them because who the hell wants low pressure sodium? <clears throat> just
0: well, I think a lot people, just not readily available. A lot of people want it for the Kelvin temperature, so okay. Uh, Low pressure sodium is twenty two hundred Kelvin. For critters. Yeah, and yeah, so for, a lot of critters. Yeah, we we actually had a farm that um, one of our nailed vendors has good, very good uh, low pressure sodium retrofit kits. Uh, Olympia Lighting actually, and um, okay, good to know. You disconnect the ballast, you run the thing, and they were uh, low Kelvin as well, and so mm-hmm. that um, the customer really appreciated that. Uh, and so they were able to, the farm was able to keep that low Kelvin temperature because they have animals in the fields, uh, that are near the barn and it it bothers the, it clearly bothered the, the, the high Kelvin temperature light clearly affects his barnyard animals or whatever the heck he's doing out there Uh, somewhere in Ontario. So there are reasons people like low pressure sodium. Um, but talk to us a little bit more about this. I know, you know, another guy that, that talks about this is, um, geez, I'm forgetting his name. The musician we had on. Why can't I remember his name, Greg? Oh. Tom Surzak. Tom Sir Tommy, I love you, brother. Just right now in the middle of the show, Tom Sirzak is another guy that talked a little bit of this. Tell us why you have concerns. Uh,
2: concerns on just yeah,
0: availability. Dallas in general. Yeah.
2: Now, now, we're both in the lighting world, but my lighting world is different than yours. Because I deal in hazardous locations. Mm. So things that go in refineries and chemical plants, grain elevators and stuff, so they don't blow up. Um so a standard ballast may not be suitable for one of my fixtures. I have different things to worry about in mine to maintain certain temperatures. so we've had cases where an emergency battery backup system for a fluorescent that was installed for about two years they had a failure through a surge not through the fixture um, uh, but the the ballast no longer existed. It was a three forty seven volt ballast, and it just doesn't exist anymore. So we had to sell them an LED option that we did have. Um, we had some people desperate to find some sodium ballasts. They're not around either. You you might have them for your applications, but they may not be suitable for my part of the world. Mm. But we are seeing a huge decrease, and even in lamps, if you look at the lamps. The sales in lamps, if you, I don't know, you ever look at NEMA, mm-hmm. Their statistics for lamps. Yeah, so they picked, 2011. As, they picked 2011 as a benchmark and they said, okay, if we count the number of lamps we sold in 2011 as the, the um, 100% of lamps, yeah. right? So now they're looking at in 2020, they've gone down 68% in sodium in terms of lamp sales to 2020. They've gone down 82% in metal halide and 78% in mercury vapor. Who knew you could buy mercury vapor anymore? I got them in stock. And similar reductions in similar, I understand, but the trend in the industry is going down. You're keeping it for specific customers, Mm -hmm. but larger industrial distributors are serving the market that they have. And maybe on the commercial side, it's different, but certainly in the industrial and certainly in the hazardous world, it's changed an awful lot. So we're seeing a lot of reductions in what's readily available. Um, somebody actually wanted us to pull apart fixtures that we've had in stock for 10 years so they could mm-hmm. get a ballast out of us. Sure. It was yeah, that bad sure. in one case because they can't afford to be down.
0: Mm-hmm. You
2: know, somebody doesn't get a ballast for six weeks in your world, in the commercial world or the uh, residential world, okay, they have to wait. But in my world, it's, it's a major problem for them. It's a safety issue.
1: Mm-hmm. So speaking about your world, a little Marty, how long have you been in lighting?
2: Ooh, long time. Seventies, eighties. Look,
1: looks like forty years. So,
2: yeah, about that. I've been in the hazardous end of it for about, about thirty odd years.
1: So all hazardous, um, okay.
2: Yeah, but I I started at Hubble doing other things, and I migrated into lighting, and then I went on the road selling lighting, and now I just do hazardous location stuff. So lots of things that occur in other parts of the lighting industry don't necessarily occur in the hazardous side. Even like your replacement lamps, you, you sell replacements for an incandescent. You used to sell those crappy fl- compact fluorescents, now you've got LED options, Watch but it. they don't work in our world. They don't work in our world. You cannot use them for sure. because they're not safe in a hazardous area. Because when they fail, they don't fail quietly. They fail with a bit of a spark that's enough enough to ignite a gas and cause an explosion. So we can't have those.
0: It's like the canary in the coal mine. Hazardous Similar. locations, yeah. Like no, but I mean, yeah. Yeah, it, it, but like hazardous. Like what? Canaries were unreliable. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, like what you're saying is like so. For example, um the 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 legacy lamp market so mark, mercury vapor low pressure sodium uh, those would be pure legacy and then you have like high pressure sodium and metal halide there's it's getting very difficult to source metal halide to general metal halide lamps and the right. prices are going up astronomically actually on that technology right. um, yeah. I mean you, yeah. you 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 can't you can't get that like that stuff and we service resupply for a lot of uh, natural resource extraction and stuff like that in Ontario, and we have people mm-hmm. paying ridiculous prices for lamps. Um, yeah, you know it's so. But you're saying like we're, we're not we're still able to find this stuff, but I I don't see this going on for very long. I mean I I'm importing weird uh, metal halide lamps from California, bringing them into Ontario, selling them for a hundred dollars a lamp. It's like uh, for lamps that you know. Five years ago, six years ago, you would have paid twenty bucks for, yeah, and and selling them one at a time, two at a time,
2: yeah,
0: you know. So and then
2: and then we then we use a lot of hazardous industries in Canada, not so much in the U.S. because they're a little bit behind the things we do here. No harm to the Americans, Uh, (laughs) but most of the most of the petrochemical facilities use high pressure sodium. Not because they liked the color of the light, they used it because the lamp lasted longer, sure. and the lumen depreciation was less than mercury vapor. Mm-hmm. You got more light and it lasts longer. Mm-hmm. So, a number of years ago, we got them to buy into using dual arc tube lamps. Okay. Dual arc tube high pressure sodium. So you have two arc tubes inside and they keep sure. flipping back and forth, sure. and they last about 44,000 hours. Mm-hmm. And that worked out great for them because yeah. How much does it cost you guys to change a light bulb in a a commercial
0: building? Fluorescent tube by 50 cents, 50 cents to change a fluorescent
2: tube. Sure, sure. In in the hazardous area, because of what you have to go through to do this, it's upwards to $1,500 to change a lamp. Yep. So if you get something that lasts longer, you're going to buy into that. So they bought into dual arc tube lamps that are getting really hard to get because all the lamp guys have sold their businesses.
0: High pressure sodium was a very reliable technology, actually. Absolutely. Very reliable, and um, yeah. it, 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 it's it's easy to once you understand a little bit of, or well, you start to understand how nobody can understand it now. But the people that know about how legacy lighting systems work, HID, understand the benefits of high pressure sodium and street lighting and hard hard applications. They're like old rock stars; mm-hmm. they never die; they only fade away. You know, so that's right. Um, you know, um, I can totally see it. We've talked to other guys in the, um, that work in that, um, that hazardous high temperature space, Greg. And I don't think LED can really penetrate into those spaces yet. How, what are your thoughts on that, Greg?
1: Yeah. I mean, that, that's what I was wanted to kind of ask Marty on, on his side, cause you have a lot more experience. I've been in maybe one or two facilities that you're talking about and the times I have, and I've ever talked about LED, uh, they don't care about the energy savings at all. Like there's there's no talk about, you know, energy savings is, no, I don't care about it. I want it to work and last a long time. So LED can last a long time, but in the right environment. And a lot of times heat is right. the issue. Yep. So are you seeing that LEDs are, are getting made better or will they ever get to the point where they can handle the heat that um, HID can?
2: They've come a long way. They're An awful long way. Originally... You'd be lucky to get a 40-degree ambient out of them. Um, right. You'd be lucky to get that. Sometimes it was lower than that. Certainly in the Middle East, you couldn't use them because their daytime temperatures are just too high, and add process temperatures on top of that, and there's not a chance in hell. But now they're up to you know 65 degrees C, which is workable in m- many applications. We had one recently where my only option was to sell them high-pressure sodium and with a remote ballast, because the ambient temperature is 103 degrees C. Yeah,
0: I was gonna ask you about the remote ballast. So nothing works.
2: It it was, you couldn't put the ballast in the fixture because you'd fry the ballast. So you had to get it remote from the area and find something that'll get you far enough away from the igniter. Find an igniter that'll work in 103 degrees. And uh, it's, it's a challenge, that was the only solution. We actually haven't completed that. We're still struggling with even creating a fixture from an old file. To, now, to when you say sure 133
0: degrees, what, are you talking Celsius or Fahrenheit here?
2: Celsius. Yeah, Celsius. that's
0: crazy, dude. That's, that's straight up temperature. Wow. Yeah. So, so he, we he know, encounter
2: those things. All the time. And, he, and, and many he, industries do. Uh, yeah. You know, put them in a dryer. You put them in a kiln. If somebody wants to light in a kiln. What do you sell? Them? Incandescent. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. They want instant light. That's the only thing that'll work is an incandescent. Hmm. Um, so LED won't do everything. It just can't do everything because otherwise we'd have them in the oven in your stove in your house. Yeah. The, it
0: the, won't last. A lot of people don't understand the fun. Like if you actually took, came into this room <clears throat> and I could do it, dropped a thousand watt metal halide ballast on a table. A lot of people in the lighting industry would have their minds blown actually. Like there's a lot of people mm-hmm. that have never tried to pick up one of those things. Like these are yeah. m- massive copper coils, like they don't look anything yeah. like a, a electronic driver or ballast. these things are they no. look they look like they belong in a hazardous environment when you look at them you're like that looks like it's built for something crazy you know right um so the and the remote mounting like I don't know like some of these remote mounting I've seen in factories um they the 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 ballast can be remoted like a hundred feet away from the lamps more sometimes metal
2: halide and mercury yes and I've seen that yes we did a we did a um, oil production facility from plant oil and all of their ballasts were in one room and all their lights were in the the factory area yeah um, because it was warm and they had to go to LED that would take the heat um, and ditch all their their bays of hundreds and hundreds of ballasts but sodium, you have to be with, you know, the igniter's got to be within a few feet of the fixture, mm. a few feet of the lamp, or it just doesn't work right. Mm. Now you can, with the right wire sizing, you can get the core, you know, the, the copper coils and all that stuff. You can move those out of the way. But the igni- the igniter's got to be pretty close. Capacitor can be a long way away too, just not the igniter. So in this solution, it was find an igniter that ran just above the... Ambient temperature, and put it in a separate box because you don't want the lamp heating it up more than it has to be, and an empty fixture with just a socket for the lamp, and then you could be a hundred uh, feet out away for the core and coil.
1: How far can you remote mount LED?
2: Well, they have to be fairly close to the the LED. The, the driver needs to be close to it, the the LED itself. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want to be miles away from it and you're not helping anything it's not you can get the drivers to be good for a temperature but the led itself might not be good for that temperature
1: so there there are applications. yeah there are applications like and that's exactly where i saw this was um they had you know 400 watt metal halide and then they had the ballast mounted 100 feet away in another room and i i couldn't come up with an led that could handle the environment are you running into applications yeah. where they it just you have to go HID, correct?
2: That's when heat's involved. That's your solution is to go HID.
1: Does anybody make HID we fixtures still,
2: anymore?
0: Who's making the fixtures? We still make some. Hubble makes yeah, we some. We still yeah. make some. Yeah.
2: yeah, we buy the ballast from somebody else, and so we make the housings and everything else. But we still buy ballasts and wait six to eight weeks for the ballast.
0: Are you so Are you ready? Like,
2: I need some ballast. Be- are you
0: Sorry, ready? Are you ready for the 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 um something that I'm going to say that's going to be very controversial? Ready for this? I was talking to a guy and uh he said he was talking about nothing to do with lighting. He was talking to you about the space program. And he said, you know, mm-hmm. Russia's the only country that still produces polychlorinated biphenyls, PCBs. Okay? And he said that There's lots of hazardous things in the world that we have, but he said that PCBs should be made made legal again for these kinds of hazardous environments because it would allow LED technology to be deployed in these high heat environments. So, what poly? The reason why you can go into a place that's 40 years old and still pull out PCB ballasts that are still working in 2021 like still running T12 lamps right. is because polychlorinated biphenols are by far the greatest heat sink or whatever you want to call it that humans have ever created and that the all mm-hmm. the space shuttles and the apollo program with PCB central it was all over everything in those t- at those times um nuclear uh, missiles have PCBs in them and they're, they're, it's a very good chemical and there was an argument for them to say look this is not a uh, th- this is not a toxic issue when it comes to deploying it in certain environments, it's a disposal issue. We have to dispose it responsibly. Do you think there's an argument to bring those back for certain applications, or do you think it's better just leaving them illegal forever?
2: I'd be illegal forever. Yeah. I mean, there's too many environmental issues with them. We have enough environmental issues. You sure. know. The Electronic waste we're creating just from, from LED, think of. Think of that. There's a lot of electronic waste. What
0: electronic waste? LEDs
2: never burn out. Lots of nasty
0: chemicals. LEDs never burn out, Marty.
2: What are you talking about? Uh, Yeah, that's true, I suppose, but I wouldn't necessarily (laughs) bet on it too heavily. Uh, (laughs) Keeping them going is always a trouble. But in most applications, and where they've gotten now, I mean, LEDs not old technology for God's sakes. It's you know, two thousand and five. We're getting like seventeen lumens per watt out of LED. Now we're in the couple hundred lumens per watt. And they'd lot, we needed lots of heat sink back then, which we don't need the same kind of heat sinking again nowadays. So it's come a long way in a very short period of time, and it will get better. There are people out there that claim their LEDs can get up to 90 degrees C or 100 degrees C. I don't think so, but um, there are manufacturers claiming that in practice from the people that we know that have tried them, they don't last very long. They work for a while, but not long.
1: Is there any, you know, this is a bigger question with everything with lighting, but is there any penalty for manufacturers lying about their ambient temps or can they always, you know, claim they tested it in some (laughs) certain application where they can't ever recreate?
2: The thing about LEDs is, the Department of Energy in the U.S. is trying to, there's lots of programs to monitor that, um, to nail people for false claims. They did a really lousy job with compact fluorescent, so they weren't going to let that get away from them when LED came along. So they've done a lot to police some of the claims, but it's still buyer beware. Lots of people claim lots of things, and life is one of the biggest lies of LED. There is no life test for LED. We can test the LED itself, and we have a guess, and it could last anywhere up from you know a hundred thousand hours, which I haven't been around. It hasn't been around that long, up to infinity. And I certainly haven't been around that long either. So um, they they can say the LED will last two hundred thousand hours, and they might be right. We don't know. That's you know thirty three odd years or more. Um, but the um, the driver won't last that long and we have no measurement for the driver it doesn't exist yet the standards don't exist so whatever manufacturer tells you something about the life of an led it's their best guess there is no magical this is absolute
0: marty you said life is one uh, life is one of the biggest lies of led um i think that's the extension of All the lies in the lighting industry. Rated average life is the, this is an extension. I mean, when people say to me, oh, it says 5,000 hours on the box, I'm like, dude, that's an average. That's a rated average life. And, um, you know, so I mean, this idea, you know, we put it in a microwave for 20 minutes and it worked. So we're going to project that to be this or whatever. It's accelerated testing. They have no idea what they're talking about. The absolute. With traditional lamps, they did.
2: With traditional yes. lamps, yes, they had right. a pretty good idea because yeah. they stuck yeah. a whole bunch in a room and ran them on and off. Mm-hmm. The only thing that was tricky about that is hours per start. Mm-hmm. That was the tricky part. Compact fluorescence lasts 10,000 hours at three hours per start. You don't use the bathroom fixture for three hours. Well, maybe my daughter does. You know, <laughs> She's in there forever. But somebody goes in the bathroom, they use it for five or ten minutes and they're gone that life drops below that of incandescent for that fixture. Wonder why it didn't last. It wasn't on for three hours. Even regular T8, T12, T5 fluorescents, they were based on 10 hours of start. And the minute you start chopping that out, life goes down.
0: You know what I find that what's interesting about this kind of talk is so I, my career in the lighting industry started in 1999. So I'm 22 years in the Ooh, game. Okay. okay. So, um, I did a lot of T5 HO, A lot of T8s. And what I found was that the reliability seemed to go down when they tried to put energy, like tried to mess around with the energy efficiency of T8s, like 25-watt, 4-foot T8s. You know, 49 watt yeah. T5 stuff like that. When they when they tried to reduce the consumption of energy of the individual tubes and stuff like that, or low ballast Oops. factor, and they wouldn't work in the cold. They wouldn't. It had to be 20 degrees, or the lights wouldn't come on in a school. Like if you had low ballast factor, low lamp wattage, if they didn't have the yeah. HVAC on, the lights wouldn't come on. They'd be like blinking or whatever. And so there's like an, there's an optimum set point. And so when we started messing with those optimum set points, we start seeing other problems emerge. LED has never had a set point. There's never been a point where they're like, let's manufacture all these lamps for 15 years and then see what happens. It's been changing and changing. We're on generation 26 of the T8 tube now. Greg, I don't even know what it is anymore. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's a rapidly moving target. Yes. Yes. Um, and, and we've got a ways to go yet before we we figure out what this is. And then we can get down to making it so my parts fit somebody else's for fixture and their parts fit mine. But we're not even there yet. Every design is per manufacturer. We don't have any interchangeability. As we did with... You know, you pick the top three ballast manufacturers in North America, and they all work on everybody's fixture. Mm-hmm. You pick all the, the whatever lamp you want to pick; it's to a standard that everything fits together. Mm-hmm. Nothing LED fits together.
0: Why is that? How? Who decided that?
2: <sighs> it was the Wild West of who could get better than the others. You know, they, somebody wants. No, to but have why, a better... why?
0: Why? was it like that in the past? Like, how did they? Did Phillips G and Sylvania sit down and say, "Hey, this is how we're going to do it"? Or how that come out? NEMA? Did NEMA set those well, standards?
2: Well, it goes back to Mr. Edison perfected the light bulb. He never invented it, but he just perfected it. Mm-hmm. And then they set about um, making it so everybody could use the same lamp. And then they did it, divvied up the world on who would sell lamps where and how long they would last. Incandescent lamps last a 1,000 hours. And way back in the 20s, they created the Phoebus cartel, and they divvied up the world. And nobody, GE didn't go to Europe, and Europe didn't go to the
0: far. Are East. we going conspiracy theory now, or what? Because is that legit? Is that Phoebus? Phoebus is that Phoebus cartel? Look it up.
2: Yeah, it
1: I've heard, of heard it before. Tell me about it. Do you know it, Marty?
2: Well, it's been a while since I had to explain it to anyone, but basically, Swan in the UK and Osram, they all kind of divvied up the um, the world as far as who was going to sell what lamps into what markets. And they all agreed that incandescent lamps shouldn't last more than 1,000 hours, planned obsolescence. And they all stayed out of each other's backyard and made a ton selling lamps. And the European lamp has a different base than the North American lamp, so you couldn't actually easily switch them back and forth. Similar bases, but not identical. So it was, and this, so you're saying was this was one an antitrust.
0: This was an antitrust action by lamp Manufacturer. Yeah, they got shut down in the
2: 30s for that. They, in the In the mid 30s, they got caught and they had to stop the cartel.
0: So, how, but but so that started. Anything. So, this idea of standardizing things and then dividing up right. the market so that you could still win without killing each other on price. When did how did that how did that sort of segue into the ballast case sizes, the length of tubes? All the sorts of things we see we take for granted as standard nowadays
2: you know that manufacturers knew there was going to be interchangeability you know my lamp's going to sell this week and your lamp's going to sell next week um so with the nema which is just manufacturers writing standards about manufacturers it's a little bit different than that now but they decided this is what lamps are going to look like but it was the manufacturers that decided that so you had some commonality that I could fit in your product and you could fit in mine. Um, basically how it worked. So all the lamps have a standard dimension. You know the, 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 the diameter is measured in eighths of an inch and the bases are set number of bases. So a T8 is one inch in diameter because it's eight eighths. Um, and it's got a certain base, so it fits in anybody's socket. I've
0: taken LS1, okay? I know that. <laughs> all right. So it's so all, all good. Listeners out there, it's take all good. good. Yeah. So let me just let me throw this at you here. So the I would say, Greg, and let, say, tell me if you agree. Anyone that retrofitted their system to a traditionally shaped modular T-LED or lamp is way better off long-term than somebody who chose a purpose-built light fixture in the last 11 years, Greg. Well, would you say that's correct?
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and dealing with the end user and, and having to find replacements for product that's been discontinued, custom-made for that fixture, absolutely. So, a lot easier to get a replacement, too. Yeah,
0: so LEDs do burn out, and so it, yep. it's, you're better off if you've purchased a modular T led or whatever system in a, in a legacy lamp shape, you can just change the light bulb, whether that's bypass or ballast compatible. How do you feel about you live in Ontario, correct? Mm -hmm. How do you feel about broad crude? Well, I just gave you my opinion on it, but broad and crude (laughs) legislation that bans technology types. How do you think that, do you think that's wise?
2: I don't like to see them ban technology just for the sake of banning it. Um, We ban things for what we think are good reason where we're trying to save energy Um, because that ultimately is
0: good for everybody. Not Ontario. Uh, Well, Ontario has too much energy. Ontario has too much energy.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, And we sell it to other people.
0: We, no, we pay for them to take it. <laughs> In
2: some cases, yes. <laughs> but um, to, to reduce the energy is a good idea. Um, but to ban things, sometimes it doesn't make sense. So if you go back to we banned mercury vapor ballasts mm-hmm. because they weren't energy efficient enough,
0: mm-hmm.
2: which was really one of the main drivers to do that. But metal halide isn't that much more efficient from a ballast perspective, the lamps are a little more efficient, but they don't last nearly as long. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah.
2: But we didn't want to ban metal halide, but we banned mercury vapor ballasts. We didn't ban the lamp. We're still selling lamps today, mercury vapor. So what did that solve? Well, it got one thing out of the way and it made us look good to people, Mm -hmm. to the energy people, you know, the people who want to save the planet by saving energy. Um, LED was in its early days was garbage. It was useless. It didn't. What? It didn't do as well as you know, and it didn't about as much lumens per watt as incandescent. But the, the petrochemical companies wanted to buy it. They didn't give a damn about energy, but it was a green light source. Mm-hmm. And it made them look when the, you know, the Greenpeace people showed up at the door, they'll say, but look at all our wonderful lighting. Forget all the smoke in the background. But the stuff here is really energy efficient and it's state of the art and we're doing our part for the planet. It was more a message than it was virtue signaling. a solution. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, stop using LEDs to virtue signal, please, everybody. <laughs> it's pathetic. <laughs> okay, I remember when yeah. a CFL was a virtue signal. My first trade show booth, had a bit, had, had, uh, in Ontario had windmills and I, I just cringe when I think about it. Oh, God, It had windmills and, and the big sign of my company and a CFL on it and all this stuff. And it's like, now you don't want, it, like, nobody wants to talk about windmills in Ontario. It's like, oh, God, more windmills or CFLs? Like, enough you know, of them. So these symbols come out, and they and they what happened? But what I want to ask you: like, there's some there's some unintended consequences and some ill effects from banning technology types. I think you it would be much better if you did something like M four hundred slash U is banned. You could do a lot with that, okay. right? And then you could you say, mm-hmm. well, you need to have MP four hundred. That would be the only one you're allowed to buy, or something like that. I'm not. I don't know if that's the right answer. You could say, you know, we're gonna ban. um you, you know, uh, different s- segments. But if they ban, in, like, incandescent lamps, then you have all these, inc- all these um, uh, like, uh, miniature lamps and stuff like that that go into machines that you can't buy anymore, and the LEDs don't work when you put them in there. They're too big. They don't fit or whatever. There's all manner of different or consequences. The yeah, they can't take the heat. It's in a plane. It's yeah. in this. There's There's yeah. a lot of applications that require incandescent lights, and they can't be upgraded. And so now you're just creating garbage everywhere you're making garbage yeah
2: Um, Yeah. in in a a funny side story in Europe they banned certain sizes of incandescent lamps um, outright you just can't buy them so somebody in Germany came up with a radiant heat source (laughs) that happened to be a light bulb (laughs) and they will sell these radiant heat sources (laughs) because 80% of what comes out of there is heat yeah, sure. So they could yeah. buy that lamp and it works happens to give some light. So <laughs> it, was, it was a way around environmental registr uh, legislation.
1: So, going back to, to kind of, yeah, on the, uh, hazardous side of things, did you ever get into induction lighting?
2: Yes, we did that. It, when it first came, like you had two different types. You had the Osram Octotron, I think it was, Octron.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: I forget never used it in the Philips PL system. And Mm -hmm. the PL was much easier for us to work with. And there's some uh, facilities in Alberta that have 10,000, 15,000 of these fixtures in there. That happened just as Philips was dumping their PL line. And it's a Dutch company that makes the driver, the the generator, frequency generator. somebody else ql technology that makes the lamp and we started having a huge number of failures because they cheapened everything originally it was pretty good and they claimed it to be vibration but it was in a room with no wind and no heat or anything they were still failing the components were falling off the board because they weren't in there right um so it was it was a good technology Difficult to work with on the larger sizes because of the size of the lamp. And physical even the, uh, yeah. the physical dimension of the tubular yeah. one, the Osram Sylvania mm-hmm. one. Um, it was just too bulky to fit in anything that we had as a manufacturer for hazardous applications. So we, we didn't, wouldn't use that at all. And the 165 watt PL is like, a football, is like a basketball. So finding something that that fits in was a challenge.
0: I got a couple oh, yeah. boxes. I mean, of, I got a couple boxes of the QL lamps back there. You want to? Yeah. <laughs> you need them? <laughs> Try to sell them. It's, where are uh, the,
2: where, where? Now we did that back. I don't know in the early 2000s, maybe late 90s. Um, but they're in the process of swapping all of that out for LED. How was the? Uh,
1: uh, how was the heat though with induction? I just said I know if we're over induction. We're not doing it, but was it good in the heat? Right
2: it was okay uh it would do meet our requirements because we were typically 40 50 degree ambient uh so it worked okay um we weren't in a high heat application because we warned them not to use them if you got too high got and you know oh. we say a 40 degree ambient when we know it's going to climb higher on a hot summer's day in, in a building that generates heat so yeah. we could get up to mid
1: 40s How about controls? Do you guys get into controls at all in your environment, in the hazardous environment?
2: We have tried that multiple times until they get the bill. They see how much it's going to cost them. They go, no, we'll we'll get a light switch. We'll be okay. (laughs) So we're not (laughs) seeing tons of that. We've worked with a few different companies that that had had really good systems. Hubble has their own uh, system that we were not able to adapt to suitable for hazardous areas. That may change. or they keep thinking about they'll work on it and, and get us a hazardous version. And, and I'm optimistic that we'll finally come up with a solution. But we have pushed that. Um, and and the, one of the other things that you guys talk about uh, on some of your podcasts is dark skies. Right? So dark skies yep. is important. In the hazardous world, our ability to control the light was very, very limited. Um, because that was a secondary consideration. Hell, lighting itself is a secondary You're building a, a, an oil sands facility, for example. It's going to cost you $8 billion. The, uh, the lighting system is going to be maybe $2 million. You really think they give a damn about the lighting system? We'll save you money on an $8 billion project, and your $2 million of it, go away. So there's never any getting them excited about lighting. We've managed to do that over the years. But a few of us that have concentrated on doing that have managed to get them to actually think about it, and now they're starting to think. You know, let's we have some dark skies issues because we're close to environmentally sensitive areas, and that's becoming more important to us. It's easy to do with LED, for sure. What's easy to do with HID? Certainly not our kind of fixtures. No. Lighting in, in in petrochemicals the bastard child. Nobody even want to talk about it.
0: When I was, uh, I went Sorry. to a mine in Northern Alberta, um, a coal mine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I was talking to them about their lighting and then we were talking we're about cash. Uh, no, I could, I, I'm not going to say mm-hmm. the name of the mine. Okay. Um, and, uh, like you're talking, you wouldn't, people would have their minds blown if they saw something like this. Like most people have never seen these kinds of oil sands, natural resource, massive natural resource extraction. If people saw it, they have it's like Mordor. Okay. It's like, you know, in the movie, the Lord of the Rings. So they, there's this one giant building where they actually crush the coal up and turn it into the powder. It's coking coal mm-hmm. okay, for making steel mm-hmm. and it all yes. goes to Japan, by the way, everything that comes out of this mine goes to Japan or at least that's what I was told. So anyway, when they start crushing, there's all high pressure sodium through this, this uh, facility. When they start crushing up this, this, uh, this um, chunks of rock, okay? The entire building starts to rattle back and forth like this, okay? And the vibration, like literally the stairwell you're on is going... You're not on the stairs anymore, but when it, like you're standing there, you're... Water, and then the whole thing starts to fill up with water. The whole bottom of the thing starts to fill up with water, okay? There's no chance that an LED fixture would work in that environment. (laughs) Absolutely no chance.
2: HID has issues in those. Yes. HID has issues on those. We had a conveyor uh, for oil sands and on the conveyor, the vibration was so high that the lamps wouldn't last. And then the mounts for the, for the, um, the, um, hold the ballast in place. They would, you get metal fatigue on those too, and next thing the ballast would be rattling around Mm -hmm. inside. And we tried to switch them to something else, um, different, uh, still an HID, but the sockets disintegrated. The porcelain just shattered on them. We had that much vibration. And then we switched to induction and the problem went away. Hmm. Because they could take that vibration until Phillips sold the business to those other guys and then nothing worked. (laughs) Um, But also on the rock crushers, where they, you know, you bring out all the oil sands material, and you've got large boulders in amongst it, and on the crushers, um, we'd see fixtures that are just hanging by wires, because the whole mount failed. There's that much vibration. So it depends on your environment, and it doesn't matter what you pick. In some environments, it's going to be constant maintenance. So I think where the coal you're... was was probably hazardous.
0: Yeah, they, they, they uh, couldn't have sparks. They couldn't. There was all manner of things, and they're like we we just don't man, want to be changing light aluminum. bulbs. We don't want to have light bulbs every day and changing light bulbs all the time, right? They're like they're we don't care what the energy man. cost is or whatever. We just want to stop changing light bulbs all the time in this place. And man. Um, man, I never said like that blew me away. Absolutely, like people they should take kids to see that stuff. Like people should see everyone should see an abattoir in their life. Like the oh, one no, thing about should. lighting, the one <laughs> thing about lighting is that Greg, you go to every facility and you're looking at everything and you see all manner of craziness. You know, natural resource and, extraction, uh, uh slaughterhouses, um, you know, these things people should see what it, what it, what actually happens in a chicken farm. Like you should go there. Yeah,
2: they're not fun. They're not fun places. <laughs> <laughs> Chicken, into the Chicken. Yeah. No, like, I, I don't think
0: it's bad. I just think that most people have no idea where they're, went. like you think about it, but you get, I'm going to order some wings. That's 12 birds, brother. Yeah. Yeah. You're eating 12 birds there, bud. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so yeah. you might've answered the question here, Marty, but when you're, if it's a new location, a new hazardous location, what are you gonna specify for the fixture? I know the answer might be, it depends, but in general, what are you guys doing right now for new?
2: As long as it's a normal, acceptable ambient temperature, we're gonna specify LED. Largely because what the user wants, the user now believes they need LED. Mm -hmm. It's only if there's conditions that are unique, heat, vibration, what else would come into play, certain chemicals, maybe, uh, that we would look to an alternate source. We don't, actually, it was a couple of years ago, somebody asked me to do a, come in and talk to them about HID lighting. And it was like, oh, shoot, I don't even have a presentation for that anymore. I have to rewrite one to make it work, because we haven't talked about it for so long. Early on, we talked about it's not time to look at LED because it wasn't ready back in the early 2000s, don't even think about it, it's a dumb idea, to so now where it's what we would recommend.
1: And, and when you are recommend, into, Oh, sorry, when pressure. you are recommending HID, what is it? Is it high pressure sodium or metal halide?
2: Usually high pressure sodium. Um, yeah. And the only reason for that is the, the lamp life. We don't like the color of, of Iverson sodium, although some people think it works better in steam. So it doesn't look, you know, it's it, there's less glare off the yellow light than there is off the white light. So in a steam environment, some users like that better. Um, and then there's other users that think the yellow light looks more like flame, so somewhere in between you have to try to keep them all happy. But mostly we would, it's very rare we come up with a metal halide system, uh, unless they want it. We would still be pushing them to LED.
1: And, if and then know the things into... are
2: working in your oh, sorry.
1: Oh, go ahead. Uh, uh, I was just safety... saying, if you run. Uh, sorry, r- run into doing... issues with the LED in and, and warranties in these environments. I, I'm assuming there has been some, but it's been more so than others. Or... We
2: we've, we've been fortunate. We we um... We haven't had tons of um, warranty issues. We've had some, of course. Some are the user's fault. Uh, we had a facility in, in um, southern Ontario where they had a, uh, it was a flour mill where they had a, um, we, we retrofitted all the lighting to LED and they burnt them all out. And we thought it was dirty power and we did a power study to see if that would have done it because we had no explanation and i went down there on a july afternoon and it was hot but it wasn't screaming hot and as we were walking down from the eighth floor the guy said well it never gets hot in here until we do bug control and then we bring in big heaters and run the place up to about 60 degrees celsius and your fixtures rated at 40. so we understand why that happens yeah so um If we know anything like that's going on, we'll caution. But other than that, you know, there's people out there that offer ten-year warranties, which none of the tests justify a ten-year warranty. There's no test done that justifies a ten-year. That's
0: just marketing.
2: It is. It's lies, basically. Yeah. So ours is a five-year,
0: and we've. That's what marketing is. (laughs) That's right. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just joking. Okay. Smokes and mirrors and
2: lies—that's how it works. Absolutely, that's, you know
0: that's selling so. the sizzle. I mean, come on, ten-year yeah. warranty. Yeah. I, I give out ten-year warranties, but what I what I, what I do now to compete is um, I'll only do it with modular fixtures, and I'll just say that you know in ten years you get one free lamp replacement included in the project. And that's So you sell fixtures where you
2: can change the lamp.
0: Yeah, always. Whenever I can, I do that. Because we've been in business for 43 years. We've been in business for 380,000 hours. I know what this is all about. This is, you know, um, I I got an email from a major manufacturer years ago. I was in the midst of like a huge problem with T5s going all purple. The T5s were turning Mm -hmm. purple. They weren't. So that's mercury starvation or whatever. There isn't enough mercury in there. So it it turns purple. And I had three jobs. You're talking like 20,000 lamps all turning purple. Okay? And I get an email from this manufacturer saying, we now have a 50,000-hour T5. I'm like, what? Why don't you make one that lasts 25,000 hours first? We'll start from there.
1: (laughs) Non-purple ones.
0: Yeah, that don't turn purple after, you know, three weeks. Um, And this was everywhere. It wasn't just like a bad badge, bad badge. Anyway. Marty Cole. Yeah. Thank you for being a guest on the Get a Grip on Lightning podcast. And if you've All made right, it to the, the end, yeah, no problem, brother. Uh, I w- I love talking about legacy technology cuz we are you know, we're a dying breed. You know, there's not a lot of us like everybody's old, everybody's 40 or old, 35. If you're 35 and you know about legacy technology, you're going to be the last man standing. You're doing well. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Folks, we got to tell you about That's our right. friends, though, uh, over at Keystone Technologies. You got to go to k e y s t o n e t e c h dot com. A lot of history in the lighting industry, Greg, going back to the Second World War.
1: That's right. Started as a ballast company, actually, and then morphed into what they are today. You know, LED focused, but still have those traditional ballasts that you need. So, if you need fluorescent, H I D ballast, Keystone's got it for you.
0: The people that are the best in this industry are the ones that were around before the LED boom. That's right. That's what we believe. You're right. Oh, get a good amount of go. lighting. Yeah, we know it. We know what's right. And, folks, uh, we got to talk to you a little bit about the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors. That's N-A-I-L-D dot org. I don't know if we're taking any new members anymore. I'm sick of you guys. got to join. <laughs> and if you made it to the end here, I know I speak on behalf of Greg and Marty when we say nothing but love for all you people out there listening. and Get a grip on lighting. Thank you. And, yeah, enjoy the rest of your week.
1: Peace. Yeah. Thanks.